This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The incidence of cancer worldwide has grown 30% in the last decade. We'll tell you why. And she took on the Chinese government and paid the price. We tell the story of the badass beauty queen. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. At first, it sounds like a joke, but it's anything but. A coroner's report has found that grilled cheese is a killer when it comes to the elderly. Officials investigated the connection after two residents of the same Quebec long-term care facility died in similar incidents involving choking in recent years. And there were further eight deaths due to choking on grilled cheese over the past couple of years. Quebec's health department is heeding the recommendations and is reviewing the risks of choking on food in the province's senior homes. More than 10% of Americans over 65 binge drink. Researchers from New York University School of Medicine say these older adults are putting themselves at higher risk for physical, mental, and behavioral health complications. They define binge drinking in men as consuming over five drinks and for women over four. Binge drinking was more common among tobacco and cannabis users, but lower among those with a higher college-level education. By a drink. What is it exactly you do for anything? John Dillon Club Banks. That's from the movie Public Enemy, based on the life of the notorious 1930s gangster John Dillinger. His body will be exhumed this fall, more than 85 years after he was killed by FBI agents. The state of Indiana approved a permit for Dillinger's nephew to have the body exhumed and reinterred, even though it doesn't indicate the reason, and a cemetery spokesperson says... They have no information about the plans. The FBI says Dillinger's gang killed 10 people during bank robberies and other crimes, and agents fatally shot the gangster in Chicago in July 1934. I'm as hazy and as crazy as a daydream. Disney fans are mourning the death of Russie Taylor, who was the voice of Minnie Mouse for more than 30 years. She died this week at the age of 75 from colon cancer. She was married to Wayne Allwine, who voiced Mickey Mouse and died in 2009. Both portrayed their iconic characters longer than any other voice actors. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 18.1 million new cases and 9.6 million deaths last year alone. Those are the latest numbers on the burden of cancer around the world. I talked to Dr. Aaron Schimmer, head of research at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center, to learn what it means for us. 
It's important for a number of reasons, uh, but one of which is that over the last 10 years, we're seeing an increasing incidence of cancer globally. In fact, it's increased by about 30% over the last 10 years. When you think about it, that's actually more people than there are in the greater Toronto area. So that's, that's a huge issue. My understanding is that the reason the numbers for cancer keep going up is that we are all living longer and other things are not killing us first. Yes, I mean, that's correct. I mean, the answer, you know, more fully is more multifactorial, that the population globally is increasing, so there are more people, there's more um, incidence of cancer, and as you indicated, the population is aging, that we're doing better at uh, preventing other diseases, whether it's heart disease or death from things such as trauma. But there are also, I think, environmental factors or dietary issues uh, that are also contributing to the increased incidence of cancer worldwide. Now, here in North America, we have a big share of the worldwide cancers. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Probably, I guess you could argue, a disproportionate share relative to the uh, percentage of the total population of the world. And the reason for that is? Well, you know, it, it, it's a number of things. It's in part because our healthcare system is is so good that we're able to prevent other diseases. Also, there may be some environmental factors or dietary issues as the Western populations be, have greater incidence of obesity. There are some cancers that have been linked to that, and that may also be contributing to the disproportionate amount of cancer in the Americas. Now, I've seen numbers that say as much as of cancers are preventable because of lifestyle factors like diet. Uh, Does this report bear that out, or do you believe that? Well, 80% is probably a bit of an an overestimate, certainly if you would look at all cancers in totality, but there are some that are perhaps more preventable than others. Um, Certainly, if you look at lung cancer and the risks to smoking, and so is one can decrease the risks of smoking, then you have a significant ability to decrease that cancer. Other cancers, such as colon cancer, could certainly be prevented with screening uh, approaches, such as colonoscopies or detection of blood in the stool. And other cancers could be prevented, such as cervical cancer, with the use of vaccines. So 80% is a global number a bit high, but certainly for some specific cancers, that's very true. Lung cancer, by every measure, is, is the most common form of cancer. It's the biggest killer why do these numbers keep going up when we see, for instance, uh, that, you know, a lot of people are quitting smoking? So, so you are correct that we are doing better with uh, smoking cessation uh, efforts and getting more and more people to stop smoking or ideally not even start smoking to begin with. And I think, in fact, we are having impact. And so the incidence of lung cancer deaths in the Americas and uh, Canada, U.S. is actually slowly starting to decline. But more globally, that's offset because the impact of these smoking cessation policies haven't reached many parts of the rest of the world where smoking rates continue to increase. They cite breast cancer, female breast cancer, as, as the biggest incidence of cancer for women. But if I'm not mistaken that uh, in here in Canada and in the U.S., actually lung cancer is bigger than that. Am I right? So, so it depends a little bit on what, on what one looks at. So if one looks at deaths attributable to cancer, you're absolutely correct. Lung cancer is the number one 
cancer killer. If you look at new cases of cancer, it's actually in women, it's breast, and men, it's prostate, and some of those relate to our abilities to detect these cancers through screening programs in that early stage. So it just kind of depends a little bit on what measure you're using. And they also note, which is very important to note, that if you're diagnosed with breast cancer in a developed country with great cancer care like Canada, you know, you have very good chances the survival rate is, I think, 89%. But if it's in a less developed country, uh, that is definitely not the case. That's absolutely correct. Look, we are very fortunate to live in Canada. Among many things, it's got an outstanding healthcare system. And, you know, for, for the people who unfortunately have been diagnosed with cancers such as breast cancer, they have access to truly state of the art medical care and that can achieve the best possible outcomes. In this report, it says one in five men and one in six women worldwide will develop cancer in their lifetime. But here at home, we are told that it's actually one in two. Right, and the numbers differ whether you're speaking more locally in Canada versus more globally. And again, it relates to your earlier comments about as the population ages and we are doing better at preventing other diseases, the incidence of cancer rises. That's why the incidence is higher in Canada than it would be if you looked more globally. Okay, so in a perverse way, it's actually good news. If one wants to look at it, but, you know, I I think if one's been diagnosed, it's hard to argue that's good news, right? Well, yes, of course. So what would you say, to wrap things up, is the priority for us in treating cancer, diagnosing it? Well, I I think it continues to remain screening for early detection, prevention, and not to forget treatment. That if you think about globally, of course, the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak, would be around things such as stopping smoking. Uh, vaccinations against the HPV uh, virus to prevent uh, cervical cancer and strategies to combat emerging obesity and physical inactivity. But we also shouldn't think or shouldn't limit us to that and that we also have to be proactive in screening for uh, cancers such as colon cancer or lung cancer and we can need to continue our efforts to develop new treatments because even despite our best efforts on screening and prevention there will be far too many patients still diagnosed with cancer who will need our help and treatment. Okay, Dr. Aaron Schimmer, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. It was good talking to you today. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Aaron Schimmer of the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. If you tell me two years ago I'm going to be facing the situation, I wouldn't believe it. It sounds like a movie. That's a clip from Badass Beauty Queen, a documentary about the saga of Anastasia Lin, 2015's Miss World Canada. Her family in China was threatened and she was barred from the Miss World pageant in China because she spoke out about human rights abuses there. The story has special resonance now that two Canadians are detained in Chinese prisons in apparent retaliation for Canada's arrest of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou. I reached Anastasia Lin at her home in New York. What's it like to watch it, you know, a few years later? Uh, yeah, it's uh, quite a mixed feeling. Um, it brings me back to that whole turmoil, and it's not the lightest feeling in the world, but I see how much I have grown from that, so that's also quite satisfactory. Take us back. You won the crown Miss World Canada in 2015. 
and mm-hmm. you are planning on competing in the Miss World competition in China. Yes. And after I won the crown, my father was threatening China because I ran the whole Miss World uh, competition on a human rights platform because Miss World had this motto, it's called Beauty with Purpose. So I thought, I took it seriously. So I wanted to speak up about human rights, even though it was a kind of a vague idea for me um, on which specific things I want to talk about. But then after I won, I think the Chinese government took my message more seriously than anybody else did. And they went to my father and told him that if I don't stop speaking up about things, then uh, my family in China is going to be persecuted like in the Cultural Revolution. But then um, some journalist friends told me that uh, if I want to protect my families in China, the best way is to actually speak up about the threats that they're receiving because the international media attention will add a lot of protection for them. You became aware that your family in China was threatened, but still you decided to continue with that, with this. What, what drove you? I was like, I don't want to be in a situation where I feel totally passive and have absolutely no leverage to help my family. And also, it just, there were a lot of support from the Western media, like Washington Post, after they heard about the story, they reached out to me and they wanted me to write an op-ed, even though I didn't even know what an op-ed was at that time. And so that kind of support and people really caring about it helped me a lot to like, have the courage to speak out. So fast forward, you're, you've, you've won the crown in Canada. You are expecting to go to China for the Miss World competition, and your visa doesn't come. Yeah, I had to ask the other Miss Worlds in other countries. We had this group chat, and I was like, uh, how's everyone doing? Uh, how's your visa coming along? And they're like, uh, we already got it. And I wasn't sure what to do about it. Reaching out to Miss World or the Chinese government never really gave me any answer, and Miss World was extremely passive on this whole thing. Um, and so if I don't get the visa, I will be disqualified. So I thought, well, um, the media has been asking me, why don't we like, see if media attention will get some kind of response from both Miss World and Chinese government. So you decided that you would try to get into China via Hong Kong. Yes, and that was a risky move because I wasn't sure how um, China is not safe. And now we know as a well-known fact that Canadians are not really saving China either, um, given two of our citizens are arrested there for apparently no good reason um, and locked up as a revenge to Canada arresting the CFO of Huawei. So we know that it's a country without any rule of law. And so for me to just fly there, it was kind of risky. But I was young. I was 25 years old. So I thought I might take a shot. Um, and, And I got there really early in the morning and realized that my I've been declared persona non grata by the Chinese government, which is the highest level of diplomatic punishment. And I still tried to get onto the plane to go to Sanya, but they already knew that I was there because they had been listening to my phone the whole time. After that, you you came back to kind of a, a hero's welcome. Yeah, but even then, a lot of there were a lot of support from different people from everywhere and the media and it was really wonderful but at the same time 
to know that we could do absolutely nothing about it to hold China accountable was such a discouragement for me. It looks very exciting and even a little bit glamorous for some of my friends. They think that it's really glamorous to be under the spotlight for whatever kind of publicity you get. But after the spotlight deems, then my family, they have to go through these turmoil all by themselves. Like my grandparents, they got their Hong Kong visa taken away by the Chinese police when we planned the trip to meeting Hong Kong. And then also my father, he's passport renewal was denied, so he doesn't even have a passport right now. And my father's business is destroyed in China. And that's not a hard thing for the Chinese government to do. The banks started suing him. His business partners partners started suing him after the whole shenanigan was like all this. And he's basically now he doesn't really have a business. He was a very successful businessman. And do you feel responsible for that? Yeah, I mean... Yes, and I think I tried to convince myself that it wasn't because of me, but then after a while, I learned to accept that, yes, it had to do with what I was doing, but it doesn't mean that it was the bad thing that happened. Do you think, despite that, that you have done a good job of of shining a light on, on the cause? Yeah, I know it's a good thing. It just doesn't feel like it emotionally for me because all the things that I've been through, it's trauma. And it it took a long time for me to recognize that it was trauma. Anastasia, good luck with the documentary. And thank you very much for speaking with us. Well, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Anastasia Lin, the badass beauty queen. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.